0: In 1969, within the space of a few months, there were released three films that irreparably altered the definition of the Western. Each in their own way, they contributed to dismantling the genre's mythology, its iconography, and its masculinity. Although by no means a Western, Midnight Cowboy played a crucial role in redefining the male in American cinema. Once Upon a Time of the West, by very virtue of its title, wrote the closing chapter on the legends of the frontier... And the Wild Bunch not only closed the book, it put a bullet right through its cover. If they move, kill them. The Wild Bunch is unique for many reasons, not least of which is that, and I know this reeks of pedantry, strictly speaking, it's not a western. It's set between Texas and Mexico, so geographically, it's a southern. That's important and we'll see why in a minute. Secondly, it's set in 1913, which is very late for a Western. Typically, the Western refers to a particular time, the mid to late 19th century, and a movable place, the frontier as it fanned out across the prairies. In 1869, the Transcontinental Railroad was completed, linking east and west. So, by the 1870s, the frontier had been closed off. There was only one place to go, south, which is where the Wild Bunch went. Compounding that is the presence in Mexico of two German officers providing military advice to General Victoriano Huerta's army. This indicates how modern the story setting is. World War I was a matter of months away. And thirdly, more than any other Western since its release, the Wild Bunch said all there could be said about a genre that, more than any other, chronicled America's mythology. Well, you're not going to use the story, Mr. Scott? No, sir. In directorial terms, no man is more responsible for that mythology than John Ford. Ford's shadow stretches far and wide across the Western landscape. So enormous was Ford's impact on the genre that almost every Western was and still is measured against the films he made. Stagecoach, My Darling Clementine, Fort Apache, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, Rio Grande, The Searchers, The Man Who Rode Liberty Valence, and that is to name just seven. He made another fifty. By the time Sam Peckinpah came to direct The Wild Bunch, he had made just three. But with this single film, Peckinpah was the first, and to this day, only director to travel beyond John Ford's shadow. While Ford helped sculpt a series of myths, Peckinpah wired them with dynamite. Here's film historian and critic Leonard Malton. He had a, a stylistic approach to it, but nevertheless he was, he was showing the audience something they hadn't really seen before. When you watch The Wild Bunch today, it's hard to believe how revolutionary it was considered at the the, the end of the 60s, early 70s, when it came along. Peckinpah may have moved beyond Ford's shadow, but in so doing, he fell under another. Japanese director Akira Kurosawa, which is somewhat ironic because Kurosawa, who is best known for his samurai pictures, was an enormous admirer, not just of the Western, but John Ford in particular. What is even more ironic is that Kurosawa's 1955 masterpiece, The Seven Samurai, was remade by Hollywood as The Magnificent Seven. And it gets even more complicated because, by the mid-1960s, the Italians were making their spaghetti westerns and Sergio Leone's movie A Fistful of Dollars was a remake of a Kurosawa picture, Yojimbo, which itself was inspired by Red Harvest, a novel written by the American pulp writer Dashiell Hammett. (laughs) 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 I don't think it's nice you laughing You see my mule don't like people laughing It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him Now if you apologize like I know you're going to I might convince him that you really didn't mean it Now, I mention all that because what Peckinpah took from Kurosawa, and indeed extended beyond what Kurosawa had done, was the technique of slow motion. There's a killing early on in The Seven Samurai, which Kurosawa used slow motion for in but a few frames. Slow motion is a staple of every action film today, but when Kurosawa used it back in the 50s, it came as an absolute shock. Paradoxical, yes, because the killing looked so graceful. But Kurosawa said he used it because he had seen so many deaths on screen, he wanted to restore the act to its distinct position. In the way Kurosawa used it, we saw it as if for the first time. And by showing us something we would normally see happen so very quickly, Kurosawa inadvertently revitalised cinematic violence. And that is what Peckinpah did, in spades. There are stretches in the film where it appears little is happening by way of action. But these lulls are preludes in which the characters' codes of conduct are carved out. And yet, while the Wild Bunch talk about a code of behaviour, as the title states, they are a bunch of wild men. Psychotic, marauding and amoral. And they seem to only find purpose when violence is at hand. Once that violence subsides, their lives don't make any sense. As the tagline on the poster said, nine men came too late and stayed too long. How about us, Pike? You reckon we learned being wrong today? I sure hope to God we did. For Hollywood films in the late 60s, the average length of a shot was almost eight seconds. In The Wild Bunch, it is three. In its two hour, 23 minute running time, there are over 3,600 separate shots, a record for the time. And remember, it was all cut on Steenbeck. No Final Cut Pro was available. So the shootouts have a furious pace and those sequences, brilliantly edited by Lou Lombardo, are deliberately disorientating. Some shots last less than a quarter of a second and then they cut directly from normal speed to slow motion. All this was because Peckinpah wanted to convey the complete sensorial disorientation and debilitation that occurs when violence erupts. These men don't escape the mayhem because they are brave or smart. Their survival is balanced on luck. But in the end, they don't survive because they are overtaken by a death wish. There have been precious few great westerns since The Wild Bunch. Peck and Pom managed one more masterpiece with Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Robert Altman gave us McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Clint Eastwood delivered High Plains Drifter, The Outlaw Josie Wales, and Unforgiven. But none of them can match The Wild Bunch for intense viscera. In fact, few American films in any genre do. Well, there is one. I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. But if. You know, if going to Ramel and finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well, then. Then that's my mission. You want to leave? I list it because, just like the Wild Bunch, Saving Private Ryan opens with a massive battle and ends with another. And in between, just like the Wild Bunch, Spielberg's group of soldiers undergo a series of encounters through which they each engage with what it means to be a soldier. Ryan, of course, centres on a sense of loyalty, solidarity and decency. But while the Wild Bunch may have some sense of loyalty and solidarity, what they lack is decency. Unfortunately, Peckinpah held human nature in very low regard. Peckinpah was a very complex man driven by demons and riddled by contradiction. For all his ferocious talent, he considered mankind as a state barely above savage, and morality a facade we have constructed to convince ourselves we are not animals. But be that as it may, The Wild Bunch is a film almost without peer.